From the stars about Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Let's all talk about Halloween, Silver Shamrock. Mars Attacks from 1996. Directed by the great Tim Burton. I love Tim Burton. We don't talk a lot about Tim Burton on this channel, but let me just say I friggin' love Tim Burton. I've seen, I think I've seen every single Tim Burton movie at least once. And, you know, the rule of Tim Burton is here's the rule to Tim Burton movies if it is an original story, it's going to be pretty good. And if it's something that, is an existing kind of IP, it's going to be lacking in some way, or it's not going to be as good. Case in point, Planet of the Apes, um, the the Alice in Wonderland, um, Dark Shadows. Oh, The thing about Tim Burton is, it's not always the case, but Tim is all about style over substance. He, he is, and he's great in that regard. He likes, he, he very much gravitates towards certain story elements or certain things. And sometimes he chases these story elements or he chases these stylistic things um, at the expense of the film as a whole, like story included. Now, that's not to say that there are exceptions to these rules. I mean, but look, Look at it. Look at like Beetlejuice again. We just I just mentioned Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes looks amazing, be beautifully shot, and the production design is gorgeous. But the story is atrocious, and the same can be said for Dark Shadows, which looks really great, but the story is just you know. Um, but then you have stuff where like you know he's done biopic stuff that's fantastic. I mean, Ed Wood is his best movie. That's my favorite favorite Tim Burton movie. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's not, that's not an exact science, but you know, here we go. We got Mars attacks, which by the way is Mars attacks is, um, it's based on a trading card game. Okay. Or it's based on the collectible trading cards, but there's no, there's no, I mean, that's where like the, the, the visuals come from where the, the Martian designs come from, but you know, there's no actual, the story is an original story. And so in that in that example, it also really holds up. I always, always have loved Mars Attacks, um, but this revisit took it to a whole nother level for me um, as a 38-year-old man. I mean, I always watched it. When I watched it when I was younger, I, there were things about it that I really liked, and there were things about it that I found frustrating. Like, I just thought, like, that just didn't work, and I think part of the problem was I just didn't understand how campy it was. I was watching it, from, I was watching it from like a very serious point of view. I was watching it as a very serious science fiction film. I know that sounds kind of ridiculous when you think about Mars Attacks because it it's it's a comedy. I mean, it is a comedy. It's like a science fiction black comedy loaded, oozing, oozing with camp, you know. Um, but for 38-year-old Jeff, my viewing palette, it ticked off every box. I mean, it was just, it was great. And the reason why it used to frustrate me, I was mentioning how I was watching it. I never noticed how the tone shifts kind of like a frog sitting in a pot of water that is gradually increasing in temperatures. You know that they have that thing. They talk about that. Where like the frog, you put a frog in a boiling pot. I don't know why you, anybody would want to do this. I guess it has to do with the fact that the frog is cold blooded and, um, 
when you as you heat up the water, the frog doesn't notice its body heating up. You know what I mean? And um, and the frog causes the frog to boil into the pot of water without wanting to jump out because it can't notice it. So the point being is I felt the same way watching and not understanding. And when I was younger, that the tone shifts in a similar way, you know, um, the, the, the tone at the beginning of the film is firmly rooted in real. And I put that in quotes, R E E L like real, not R E A L, which is a completely different kind of real. That would be like real life, like realism, real R E E L is like movie, movie realness. You know what I mean? So it's, it, it, it felt firmly rooted in real R E E L life come quirky sci-fi, very much akin to Burton's dry humor and Edward Scissorhands. So, you know, that's the thing about Burton's humor, man. He, he's like, you know, his humor, he, he, he has, he's a really good understanding of comedy, you know? And by the way, just to go back for a second, talk about like, you know, style over substance. And, you know, if it, if there's source material, if it's IP, it's not going to be, uh, the story suffers. I mean, case in point, look at Batman and Batman returns, both, incredible masterpieces that I have endless love for, but the stories suffer because Burton is so like, he's so magnetized to certain elements in, in the, in the first movie, there's really no plot to the story at all. We've talked Bob Rose and I have talked about this in our Batman podcast. Go check that out on the channel. But like, you know, not like nothing really happens in the first Batman movie. Like that's, that's a, that's like a weird thing to say in, in Batman. Of course things happen. Lots of things happen, but there's no, there's no like driving narrative to it, you know? And in the second one, you know, the only person that really has an arc, the two, the two people that have an arc are the villains, man, the villains have arcs, you know, um, Batman is kind of just existing. You know, he's already Batman and he doesn't really change from the beginning to the end of the movie. There's no, there's no, there's no, you know, change for him. It's, it's, it's the penguin that changes. It's Catwoman that changes. And so like, that's his fundamental like flaw with certain things that he just, he gets so like wrapped up into, into that, in that kind of way. Um, but in a movie like Edward Scissorhands, the humor is so dry that it gives you cotton mouth. And it's the best. It's the best kind of dry humor that you could want in a movie. Um, the movie takes itself incredibly seriously, but at the same time is like you can't help but laugh at it. And so it's that kind of it's like that kind of dry black humor that is just rampant in Mars attacks. And eventually it just, it, it, it devolves from that place. It devolves from that place and just gets sillier and sillier and goofier and goofier and more slapstick. And by the end, it's just so it's like a, a, a ball of yarn that's come undone and it's wonderful. It's great. But by the end, you literally have Tom Jones, dancing with animals in the woods and the Tahoe caves singing. It's not unusual. You have Martians in the, in the chorus in the, uh, as uh, replacing the chorus girls. You know what I mean? It just, it just, it devolves, it devolves, but in a great, in a great kind of way, uh, as I, as I mentioned here. And by the end, 
Tim has soaked his ode to War of the Worlds by Ed Wood in the kitschiest of camp because that's it just gets so campy that it almost collapses in on itself. And that's really what what this is, you know. Uh, my favorite Tim Burton movie uh, is Ed Wood for many, many reasons. One of them being that I'm just I'm a filmmaker and I love making movies and I love that this love this is such a love letter to to a guy Ed Wood who was so passionate about making movies he didn't let anything stop him and he's widely considered you know one of the worst directors of all time and he's just you know just a, a, a I don't know what else to say about him he's just like a an iconoclast in his own right, Ed Wood, you know, a truly a punk rock spirit, a punk rock independent spirit. My favorite Tim Burton film is Ed Wood for many reasons. One of those reasons, that's what I meant to say. One of those reasons is the great love and respect that Tim Burton holds for Ed Wood, who had been given the laughable title of the director of the worst movie ever made. And it's laughable. There's so many worse movies out there to call Plan 9 the worst movie ever made. I mean, it's a bad movie, but there's lots of them. It's not, you can't give it that title. I don't think there's any movie that deserves that title because there's so many. And then, you know, you have categories where like, oh, it's the worst movie ever made. And it's so bad that it's good. Like The Room, you know, um, Mars Attacks feels like Tim Burton trying to communicate with Ed Wood from beyond the grave by channeling his energy in a way that Wood could only ever dream of by making one of his pictures with a big studio backing with critics in reverence of his work. It's like Burton is saying, this one's for you, Ed. And it's a beautiful sort of notion that you should really keep in the back of your mind when you're watching Mars Attacks. Um, hot tip as well. The 1996 CGI holds up pretty well in many of the shots, but it looks perfect when you desaturate your TV to black and white and watch it as sort of like a 50s alien invasion flick that it is at its core. Um, additionally, I will say this too about the characters in the ensemble. I mean, Tim Burton recruits just every actor you could imagine. You literally, you have, everybody is in this movie. Everybody from the nineties is in this movie. Um, you have Jack Nicholson, you have Pierce Brosnan, you have Glenn Close, Annette Benning, uh, Danny DeVito, Martin Short, Sarah Jessica Parker, Michael J. Fox. Tom Jones, Lucas Haas, Natalie Portman, Jim Brown, Lisa Marie, Paul Winfield, Pam Greer, Jack Black, um, Christina Applegate. I mean, just what a what a cast, man. What a cast. And you know what he does? He kills them all. He kills them all. Thank you for the donation, Mr. Bullet. John has, has, has donated to the cause. He's bought some coffee. Much appreciated. Biz agrees. That's a good way to describe Tim Burton's films. Hit the nail right on the head. Thank you so much. Um, make sure you uh, leave me skulls, by the way, and like, share, and subscribe this uh, video. Um, what was I just saying? So you get, you get, get this big, big, big ensemble and what does he do? He just, he kills all his characters, man. He just, he just knocks them all off, man. It's friggin' beautiful. 
like he's like let me establish all of these characters and just one by one ditch dispatch them in the best kind of way it just it really is it really really is terrific and i'll tell you one last thing um there the like i mentioned it's a black comedy what happens what I, something i noticed what happens to sarah jessica parker and pierce brosnan is so utterly horrific to both of them like it is it is it is so scary i was never like afraid watching it as a child or as a kid the way i was watching it as a 38 year old man the notion of like to having your head removed and then placed on your dog's body or how about like just being a disembodied head by the way totally an ode to the brain that wouldn't die the way Pierce Brosnan's head is just sort of like, you know, attached to the, the gizmo, the doohickey and behind him is his discombobulated body just still pumping blood and whatnot. I mean, man, that is some serious body horror. It's really sad when they uh, eventually die their heads. I mean, it's so, it's so sad and funny and, and goofy all at the same time. The head's, roll to the floor and they embrace in a kiss. It's just, it's just so sappy and goofy and romantic and, and, and dark. And only a guy like Tim Burton could do something like that. So, you know, what else is there to say? Um, Mars attacks is on Amazon prime right now. Is I think where I watched it. And if you've never seen it before, I, I can't recommend it enough. I mean, just you are in for such a fun time with Mars attacks. Mars Attacks gets four out of five stars. 